Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our latest Royal Blue Podcast. And um, we have a very special guest today. We've got Adam Jones. I'm not, not the special. He's guest. not special. <laughs> We've got Chris Beasley. Not that he's not special. Myself, David Prentice. But literally five minutes, you walk through the door like the man from Mr. Ben appeared from nowhere <laughs> from the other side of the Atlantic. My very good friend, Dr. Everson, David France, who I always ne- never know quite how to introduce David as either an author, as a benefactor, as a bon vivant. Um, he's done lots and lots and lots and lots of things in his life. Uh, but I think most people will be aware he actually compiled the Everson Treasures, um, this absolutely astonishing collection, which has every medal uh, that every Everson footballer has ever, ever won from 1891 right up to, I think the final one was 1985, every programme that ever existed uh, from Everson's collection, the minutes, official boardroom minutes from 1888 to 1964, uh, shirts, uh, Tommy Lawton shirt is in there, uh, caps, you name it. It's an absolute treasure trove. It's almost like being described as the DNA of Everson's history. And uh, anyway, David put it all together and uh, preserved it uh, for the future of Evertonians. And it's now forms part of the Everton collection, which is uh, an astonishing body of work that you put together. Um, Thank do, you, Do you ever pop in and see us every now and then? And, uh... I, I never pop in and see it. I still <laughs> acquire things for uh, yeah. for the trustees, including Lord Grantchester. Yeah. And one of the things I acquired, I tracked down, in fact, a couple of years ago was Alan Ball's 1969-70 championship medal. Right. And it was one of the hardest uh, negotiations I've ever been in. And, of course, I've all, I, I served my career in the oil industry, yeah. but this guy just knew that I wanted to buy it. And, <laughs> And uh, I was like, Joe, uh, a hard bargain. What, what, did they, yeah. what did that famous manager, Scottish manager, say? It was a knife to a gunfight. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you were successful. I was. I was yeah. very pleased. And uh, it. it uh, uh, it's a cornerstone in, you know, we've got Dixie's medals in yeah. there. We've got Alex Young's medals in there, Brian LeBond's medals in there. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's hopefully in yeah. the not too distant future when the new stadium's built, we'll have a world-class museum because it is the finest collection Absolutely. of memorabilia in the world. Whenever people introduce me uh, about the Everton collection, they always forget about the former players foundation. Which I cons- That's very remiss of me. Cause, which uh, I consider yeah. to be the most yeah. important. I've done several things for Everton. One was, of course, the Heritage Society, yeah. and people should get round to St Luke's before the match. And my wife did the uh, the memorial stones, uh, to, yeah. uh, which is on the gates be- behind Dixie. So there are several things that, that we've done. Of course, we've got the Hall of Fame dinners that, yeah. that we did. But I, I take more pride in the Former Players Foundation, the thought of you know helping people, mm. giving something back, changing someone's life. That's that's special. A model that was so special that Barcelona followed it and uh, actually set up their own former players foundation based on the uh, the Everton Foundation that David created. Well, talking about Alan Ball uh, was quite timely because uh, obviously tomorrow night, Friday, Everton entertained Burnley. 
Friday night's not the most traditional uh, time for a football match. Although my first night match at Goodison was on a Friday night and it was against Burnley in 1975. It was the Grand National the next day. 46,000 watched Everton draw 1-1 with Burnley and blow the title race. 9,000 went to the Grand National the following day when Les Cargo beat Red Rum. How times change. <laughs> but anyway, while we're on the nostalgia, while we're on the nostalgia bins, um, a statue is being unveiled at Goodison Park tomorrow. Uh, for those uh, fanzine buyers and sellers, the island that when skies are great used to uh, sell uh, the fanzines from is now no more. Uh, and it currently is just uh, an unwieldy shape shrouded uh, with tarpaulins. But tomorrow, those tarpaulins are going to be unveiled to reveal the Holy Trinity, Ball, Harvey, Kendall. Now, two younger guys in the room, you know, so Adam, Chris, I mean, what, what, does, what do those names mean to you? It's legendary, really. Yeah. Like, I've, I've grown up knowing all about, like, Ball, Harvey and Kendall, like I'd love to be able to see them play, you know, yeah. like it just sound, it sounds like they were just absolutely a phenomenal trio. And to be honest, it's, it's always been a bit weird for me not seeing a, a statue of them because, you know, yeah. they're, they're always up there with the likes of Dixie yeah. when you, when you're talking about club legends, but we've, we've never really seen any sort of commemoration of them mm. around Goodison Park. Like we had that, uh, we had that big banner off that was that yeah. was on the side of Goodison for a little for a little while but that, mm. that once that's gone it, it, there's just been nothing really so I think it's about time that they got a statue to commemorate them and I am I'm really looking forward to seeing it definitely well yourself Chris I mean is it important yeah. that the club you know celebrates its uh, its history and its heritage in this fashion yeah, I think that's something that Everton to be fair have always been uh, yeah. very good at they do we get to remember that it's been lean years now Everton are going to go into 25 years without a trophy unfortunately for the first don't time bring the mood history. down Chris um, come on bring it up um, but yeah <laughs> they have a heritage which is second to none and yeah. uh, there are many things that Everton are number one in that respect and uh, I think that should be celebrated and um there's just such, such a, a, a much-loved um, trio. I know we were speaking before we, we, we went on air with, with Dr. France and the, the book that he'd done a few years ago. And, and I mentioned in there talking about peoples of my, my father, my grandfather's generation who remember seeing um, Harvey Kendall Ball and just the, the influence that, that they had on football matches and in an era when uh, midfields would like, uh, win and lose matches. I mean, they, they were um, up there with the very best. Well, you've written the book, David, The Holy Trinity. Is it Harvey Kendall Ball? Is it Ball Harvey Kendall? Is it Kendall Ball Harvey? Which, which way round should it well, be? I'll, I'll, um, <laughs> who was who was the best, or well, with the an in, inseparable unit? Well, they they were an inseparable unit, but yeah. the we decided Becky Tallentine and I decided to write the book, the Whole Eternity, which was now must be about seventeen years ago, and it was one of the things that we didn't until then celebrate. Yeah. Our, our what makes the club special, which are these. People, when we win a title race, I know it's a long time ago, but we actually dominate title yeah. races. And with with the, the three that we talk about, we did do. And uh, so we decided we would interview people who'd seen them yeah. so that youngsters, because um, they weren't covered very much on video, so, so that youngsters would actually get some kind of oral history of how good they were. If, in words, if not in, in video. And uh, so we decided on the title. Actually, Derek Hatton decided on the title. So I have to <laughs> you know, get his listening to this. I'm sure he, otherwise <laughs> yeah. he'll call in yeah. and, and claim it. But he did get <laughs> yeah. the title. Uh, I went to 
Brian Lebonne asked Brian, who was a good friend, you know, give me a title for this book. And he said, you know, typical Brian Lebonne fashion, uh, the only three-man team to win the championship. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't think that'd go down well. So we went with the Holy Trinity. And then we need the subtitle, which, of course, is always which which way you go. And we went with uh, with Kendall, Harvey and Bo. And... um, which was fine. Everyone was, you know, that's the number of shirts. That was number, number order, wasn't four, it? Yeah. Six yeah. and eight. Yeah. But most people think it's number order. Yeah. Um, and Alan Ball actually brings this subject up. And Alan contacted me. I knew Alan pretty well. And Alan came to me one day and he said, How come I'm last? It could be that Kendall got no caps, Colin yeah. got one cap, and you got 80 odd caps of England. Yeah. So, of course, that pleases Alan. Yeah. He's a tremendous patriot, tremendous footballer, tremendous patriot. So he sort of, uh, yeah, sort of half accepted that. So I said, But actually, Alan, it's by height <laughs> in descending order. Yeah. And, you know, you've got uh, Howard Kendall, say, five foot nine. You've got Colin Harvey, say, five foot eight. And you've got yeah. you. And he said, well, I'm as big as, uh, I'm just as tall as Colin Harvey. <laughs> I said, well, if you think so, Alan, I'm sure you are. Yeah. I said, how, old, how tall do you think you are? He said, I'm five foot eight. I said, no, you're not. I'm sure Leslie's mentioned this to you, but you're not five foot eight. You know, um, Alex Young's five foot eight, and you're not as tall as Alex. He said, Oh, Alex Young, he's 10 foot tall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I still do. Always managed to bring the subject round to Alex Young, his uh, his absolute hero. Surely that's the next next statue that we we should have because, in in my lifetime, in in my brainwashed years, there was uh, Dixie. Yeah. uh, You know, the greatest, maybe the greatest name in English football. Yeah. You have Alex, you know, Dixie's the god of gold. Alex was the god of skills. And yeah. just, I think people forget just how good he was. And then if it came to the the, the, the gods of dominance, yeah. it was Kendall, Harvey and Ball. Well, yeah. We had the discussion recently about who should get a statue of Bramley Moore, Correct, didn't yeah. we? So would Alex Young be your, your shout, you reckon? Oh, there'd be no question about yeah. it. Yeah. There should be a... Um, as you walk into it, there should be like a, um, a, 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 not a tree-lined boulevard, but there should be a statue-lined boulevard. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, no disrespect to Dave's in-laws, but <laughs> didn't start when Dixie Dean showed up. Yeah. We'd already won the title several times. We had more uh, international caps than any other English club at that time. You know, we'd won more things, I think, than any other English club before 1925. And, and genuine legends, came. Jack Sharp, Bert Freeman, Fred, Fred Geary. Fred yeah. Geary. Sammy Chagsoy. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, we, and uh, they were, uh, we were the, the dominant club uh, at, at that time in, in, in English football. And one of the things that, you know, we mentioned before about um, at Goodison, where we have banners and whatever, the thing that I've always thinks that's missing at Goodison is there should be something that says Everton Football Club, 116 as it will be next year, yeah. I think. Seasons in the top flight, and then underneath it should have visitors, yeah. and then you put the number in. <laughs> now, our neighbours, I think, are up to about 102, and they are second with Villa. Well, funny yeah. enough, I, I was looking at this the other day, Villa is still second, they Liverpool a third, but unless Villa get promotion I this think, year, I think, the other shower I are going to assume runners up stasis. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I didn't 
mentioned shower. <laughs> uh, they would uh, be second. But the other teams that are in now in, in the big six, and they are the big six, they're nowhere to be seen. Yeah. They're mm. Johnny Come Lately. Maybe we should have Johnny Come Lately, <laughs> 82, whatever Tottenham is, or something like that. The, the only danger with that is I know that Hamburg had a similar thing in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga oh, the clock, clock thing. thing the yeah, clock yeah, for yeah. the amount of time they've been in the Bundesliga and they <laughs> infamously got relegated in recent seasons. But, no, yeah, again, I get Could you see Everton getting relegated ever? Um, ever, I think it's a, it's a possibility. I don't think it's a possibility in the near future. Um, I fear long term it would be more possible than than winning the title again. Unfortunately, yeah, and there's a, a possibility yeah. that, but I think neither of them are very possible. Mm. You know, I don't think that uh, I, I can't imagine that what. I think that there are white knights out there that would rescue us if we got into that state mm. that we would we're talking about being relegated. Mm. I think the last time when we when we brought Sam in, I, I, you know, it was a panic decision. Oh, Farhad Mashiri has accepted that. I couldn't really yeah. see that. Yeah. You know, we're in relegation trouble. Mm. We were in. Uh, you know, we were uh, stewing in a in a bowl of disappointment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, we we like to self inflict you know pain on ourselves, but I don't think we were close to losing our top flight status. Um, and I can't honestly see. Well, maybe not in my lifetime, but that I don't. Like, Dave mm. can add to this. I'm, I'm not in the best of health, so maybe that won't be too long. He's looking fine, listeners. Don't worry <laughs> yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. I said to him before, he's a good, strong handshake. He's okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, David's had. Uh, he's, he's had a few, you know, sort of health issues uh, over the last few years, but he's looking pretty good today. And uh, Everton are going to put a smile back on his face tomorrow night. <laughs> send him back over the Atlantic with a spring in his step, <laughs> because. Final home match of the season uh, against Burnley. Um, it's a Friday night, which, you know, not always that popular, you mm. know, so staging a game then. Although I don't mind it. I mean, we played Watford on the last game of the season a couple of seasons ago and it was quite a good atmosphere. You know, Everson won the game, which always helped. I mean, does it bother you, Friday night football? Um, I'm actually quite happy with it. I think, yeah. it, like, as you say, it will help the atmosphere. You know, yeah. there's... No, it's a, an old cliche, but there's nothing really like Goodison Park under the lights, under the lights yeah. really, is there? And yeah. I think over the last few weeks, we've obviously had some really big teams coming to yeah. Goodison and we, the atmosphere has matched those teams every single time. You know, yeah. starting with that uh, Merseyside derby, it was mm. absolutely incredible. I think the match against Manchester United uh, a couple of weeks ago, was uh, that was the best atmosphere yeah. I've heard of Goodison in a long, long time. Yeah. And I think... Uh, there was a danger with a side like Burnley coming. You know, we've seen in our last few away games maybe a little bit of complacency has come into mm. the side a little bit. We're thinking, oh, we don't maybe don't need to try as hard against yeah. Fulham because they're not as good as Manchester United, and they absolutely proved proved us wrong. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily the case against Crystal Palace, but it was another frustrating sort of game. So, with Burnley visiting, you you were just thinking maybe a bit of complacency would come in, but fingers crossed now with it being under the lights, you know. The Gladys Street's going to be amazing again. You, yeah. I'm expecting to see loads of flags, banners. You know, the Zed Car Siren's going to be back. Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's going to be a really, really good atmosphere. And fingers crossed, the players can stand up to it again. Which begs the question: I mean, do we play? Obviously, you play every single game for three points. You want to win every match. But Europa League, given the way Wolves are finishing the season looks more unlikely now than it did, you know, sort of a week or two previously. Uh, and clearly it still depends on Man City winning the FA Cup as well. Uh, so bearing in mind that, you know, Wolves are now in pole position to clinch that Europa League spot, does Marco Silva pick his strongest team imaginable uh, to try and, you know, sort of make sure we get those three points? Or does he, 
I won't use the word experiments, but, you know, make one or two changes, possibly bring in Adamola Luckman, possibly bring in Tom Davis, maybe John Joe Kenny. Uh, just with next season in mind, is that something you would consider doing for tomorrow? No, I think if I was Marco Silva, I'd try and win as many points as he can. Yeah. I think we've had a good run, uh, a decent run in the last eight or so games, but this season has not been successful yeah. by any shape or form. I think it's very disappointing. Um, I think he's fortunate to, uh, that he's not been criticised. His job doesn't seem to be uh, on the line that, that, that we know. But if I was him, I'd put on and I would continue to pull out the best team that he can. Yeah. Burnley will give anybody a game. They'll be up for it. Yeah, yeah. There'll be a few tattles like they should be uh, flying in. And I think uh, Everton need to be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if uh, I don't think we'll qualify for the Europa League. I, th- I would like to have qualified. I know most people say don't. But unless you qualify the Europa League, people don't know who you are in Europe. We've had you this know, argument I mean, in this I, room. I yeah, I'm with you on that. How are you going to attract people yeah. if you have no uh, European pedigree? current mm. European pedigree, uh, even if it's the you know, the Europa League. No, I think we'd go out for the best team. I think some of the names you've mentioned are great players for the future, great potential, mm. particularly young Kenny. Yeah. And, you know, Kenny, Tom Davis, you know, they get flack and from, from every... So did Colin Harvey, right. I, should, I should add, in, in saying that. Colin would get booed off the pitch. Really, yeah, as a young player. He'll tell you that himself. Yeah. And, and the other side of it was Gordon Watson, my old friend Gordon yeah. Watson, who was the coach of the team. He said he was the greatest talent he'd seen on a Merseyside-born footballer. Really, Colin, yeah. he was that good. He could do everything, a bit like John Abel. He could do anything but shoot. Right. <laughs> and of course, I was wondering where you were going then, we're likening him and John with, Everill. With, yeah. with, 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 it's true. I think John yeah. would admit the same. Yeah. But with uh, with Colin, of course, he scored two of the most important goals yeah. in our history. Yeah. You know, he scored one in the winner against West Brom, I think it yeah. was, 1970. in 1970. And he scored in the semi-final to, yeah. to get us to the 1966 Cup yeah. final. But I wouldn't bet you, you know, I wouldn't put my wages on him. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Chris? I mean, would you yeah. mix it up at all? Or do you agree um, with David? Do you think you should um, go as strong as possible? I'm totally with David and the manager on this one. He was yeah. quite clear today in his, his press conference that um, he says it's not in Everton's hands. And again, like David, I believe that they ultimately won't get Europa League qualification unless yeah. Wolves suddenly Im- Im- implode. Um, that they should be going out to be in Europe as often as possible, Marco yeah. says, to be in every year if possible to keep the club growing. And it's all about this idea of um, improving the kind of um, stature that the, that the club has, the kind of players that they, they attract. And I think it's quite a small-minded mentality to go, mm-hmm. oh, we don't need Europe. I think it's the sort of thing that the small clubs do. And, you know... Burnley gave it their best shot this season and they, they, they fell short, but Everton should be aspiring for, for much higher than that and uh, they should uh, be aiming to be doing well in the Europa League. I mean, we've seen the likes of Arsenal and Chelsea this this season. I mean, uh, Everton should be going all the way. In a way, it's actually the most straightforward, I would say it's straightforward, it's quite convoluted in the amount of games you have to play, but it might actually be easier to ultimately get Champions League football by winning the Europa League than getting a top four spot. That's a very good point. And, and um, we need to be winning things, anything. 
I mean, it's great David Dunn's worth uh, doing the, you know, the magic he's doing with the under-23s, but we need to be picking up trophies, mm-hmm. any kind of trophies. It's either then or we've got to invite those guys from South America again and beat, <laughs> beat Everton <laughs> Chile for the Everton trophy. <laughs> but we do, we need, we need to be winning trophies. Picked up the Sport Pacer trophy last year. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah. Yeah. I believe we've got them back. <laughs> I, I, you know, as an American, you know, I've lived in America for yeah. 40 years and, and you know, I've seen... Um, British football, Premier League football, EPL football, as they call it, from the eyes of America. And, uh, you know, I'm the last one to say that there's a big six teams, yeah. but there are right. big six teams. On the, on, before I came away, the, the guy, the young guy, young guy, uh, who's the executive of Liverpool, he was on uh, talking about the, the world of football. He was on... Mm. Um, uh, network television in the United States. He, you know, he lived in America for a long sure. time. Peter Moore. Peter Moore, yeah. And he was, uh, he was promoting Liverpool, promoting it as being on the vanguard, one the, you know, at the spearhead of world football. And he's right, mm. they are, and uh, you know, and of course they're going to tour uh, the United States. Uh, I think they're playing three or four games yeah. up in, in stadiums that hold a hundred thousand people. Big stadiums, oh, yeah, big when they time. played Manchester United last summer in Michigan, Michigan was it? they oh, played in Ann Arbor, house, yeah. yeah. They play, they're playing at Notre Dame, they're playing at Yankee mm. Stadium, they're playing at Fenway Park, which, of course, their owners own. And as a joke, you know, and where are we going? We'll be going to Rochdale, Berry and... Uh, Preston. Yeah. So you like a good night out in Preston, don't you? <laughs> there's, there's, there's no such thing as a good night out in Preston. Uh, <laughs> no, right. it's just that they've got ambition. It's hard for me to say that. They've got a vision, they've got a plan, they've got ambition, and they're executing it, as are the other big five teams. And um, I hate to say it, but we're we're slipping behind, and it takes a miracle to change things on the park. You have to throw a lot of money at it, and it takes an even bigger miracle to change it off the park. So I can take it you're not going to be hopping on a flight on July the 7th to Nairobi to watch uh, Everson play. Who are they playing, Chris? You've written the story this morning. They're, they're playing a team called the Sharks and they're playing in uh, Nairobi at the, uh, the National Stadium. Um, like I said, they were in the National Stadium of Tanzania two Last years ago yeah. in Dar es Salaam. Mm. Obviously, it's big in that region with Sport Pacer being based there, the club yeah. sponsors there out of Kenya. Um, Gore Meyer, who were the most successful club in Kenya, been Everton's opponents the last two um, mm. times. But it's a different op- opponent, this team, very much uh, up-and-coming force in in Kenyan football, but they're playing it at the National Stadium in uh, Nairobi on uh, Sunday, July, July the 7th. What well, that caught yeah. my eye, July the 7th, yeah. which was a week earlier than last season's start time. Last season, obviously, the, should we say, famous or infamous ATV Erdening game, which wasn't really a football fixture. It was just a glorified kick around that finished 22 <laughs> nil. Um, but, you know, this is, th- th- this is a serious fixture, you know, against, uh, you know, an African team. I, July I, the 7th, though, that, think, that's an early start, isn't it? I think it'd it? be great, though, if we yeah. spotted some really good talent there in Africa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what... Well, the, it exists, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what the pedigree is in that part of Africa, but mm. wouldn't be uh, take the... I'd have to eat my words yeah. if, if, if we actually picked up one or two of them. I think we need to have a plan of words that we're going to uh, yeah. target. Uh, I, you know, I'd, obviously we've got a sponsor there, but, you know, even when we had uh, when we had Tim Cahill, we had no presence in Australia. They used to have a big banner in... in um, of uh, a mural of Tim Cahill hanging from one of the big high-rise uh, office buildings in Sydney. And, of course, he was in his Australian colours. There was no mention of Everson there. Yeah. Uh, when we had Landon you know, and we had Tim Howard, the two big names of mm. American football 
ever. Yeah. And we had them, we took, did we tour? No. We went to Philadelphia one time and we didn't play Tim Howard. <laughs> so we really haven't seen, we haven't really, it's not too late, but there's a lot of people now have wised up to the fact that there's a big audience in yeah. North America. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, the structure of the club has changed quite significantly in the last uh, last couple of years. You know, so we have a new director of football now who's recently been uh, elevated to the board uh, and hopefully we're making decisions like that. We have a chief executive that's been in situ for only a year now. Um, changes at boardroom level as well. So, you know, hopefully we will see a shift in the oh, thinking and of and the I club got, um, I think the, and the ambition of the club. It's, it's going to be hard for us to attract the very best people on the pitch yeah. and it's going to be hard for us to attract yeah. the very best people off the pitch, which we need to. But I do think we've got some very good people there and I think Denise and her team yeah. are, are, are quite outstanding. It's just such a big job that they've got to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I was over at the Royal Liver building this morning and, you know, they were talking about um, the changes that they're planning to make at Goodison Park, even, you know, so in time for next season, you know, they're talking about moving to a new stadium in three or four years' time, yet they are still making changes to Goodison Park, still trying to make the place, you know, so look as, I don't know, as sophisticated and as uh, as polished as possible. The hospitality lounges especially are going to get significant makeovers. But that's for next season. That's for um, that's for work during the summer. Before then, we have two matches. We've got the Friday night game against Burnley and then the final match of the season at Tottenham. So what are we expecting tomorrow? Uh, at Burnley, do they have the flip-flops on? Are they going to be, uh, you know, no. sort of on the beach or are they going to give us a tough old, uh, tough old game? Not going to have flip-flops on, are they? Like, no. I think we saw that in their match against Man City. Yeah. Uh, they went, like, probably the best way to describe it is they weren't very ambitious yeah. against Manchester City. They had a very strict game plan and I think it was, the game plan was try and get a point out of that match against Man City. But, you know, they were so close to doing it. Obviously, that goal line technology uh, yeah. they were goal line technology away essentially from getting a draw uh, they were I thought they looked defensively very well organised mm-hmm. they limited City to a handful of uh, clear cut chances and you know they're the best attacking team in the league they've scored well over 100 goals I think they've scored like 150 goals or something yeah. like that this season in all competitions which is an absolutely outstanding figure when you look at it and uh, they had a lot of trouble uh, getting past Burnley it'll be different for Burnley travelling to Goodson Park yeah. obviously but I think we saw the issues last week that Everton do still struggle with teams who set up you know like two banks of four try and get as many men behind the ball as possible and you know they just say break us down I think that's essentially what Crystal Palace did to us last weekend and uh, we struggled to break them down so hopefully Marco Silva will have learned from that hopefully the players will have learned from it as well and we'll be able to uh We'll be able to attack Burnley in a bit of a different way. I think if we got an early goal, then fingers crossed we make uh, proceedings a little bit easier for ourselves. Because you know, the longer it stays nil-nil, the more the more frustrated everyone will get. Uh, the more confidence Burnley will take from that. And as I say, I'd be surprised if they came looking for a win. But I think Everton have to absolutely need a win. So we may have to be patient, I think, tomorrow mm. evening. So should we look back at this? I know it's not really the end of the season just yet, but it's the final home game. You said you before, David, you don't think it's been a particularly successful season. Compared to last season, it's been uh, progress, definitely. And uh, the football's been enjoyable to watch over the last couple of months. But, you know, that 
comes on the back of a significant dip that we had uh, January, February. Prior to that, I think we saw, you know, what, what's the phrase, green shoots of progress. We were playing some decent football. We thought uh, there was a, a clear system being put into place by Marco Silva. You seen well, that, David? I think, or? No, I think there is. But I think yeah. the general health of the club isn't that case. You know, I think before we can move forward, we've built, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've got some very, very good players mm. at Everton. We've just not been able to assemble them in, in the right pattern of play yeah. or motivate them. How you motivate multimillionaires, that's, that's a skill in itself. Uh, no, we've got some very good players. You know, we, we've got some good players out on loan as well, but we need to be cleaning house. We've got to be getting these people off the ways, Bill. I mean, that, this is the real challenge. And then attracting people. I think it's been a very poor season. Yeah. I really do. I think it's, uh, you know, you live in hope. You live in this optimism that we have. And, you know, you, I, you go, I don't know about, about your, yourself, gentlemen, but, you know, I, I uh, watch every game in the United States and I have to get up at six o'clock in the morning, you know, to watch it. And, you know, I'm sort of talking to the Samaritans at eight o'clock. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I'm in some kind of depression for yeah. like, it's still the same. I'm now 70 and I get depressed for about two or three days until I rediscover this optimism that they'll be better come Saturday. Unless they just put four past Man United, that always yeah. helps. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you know, it's, and I think we did very well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, people picking on Manchester United, uh, uh, there were some good players on the pitch of Manchester United as well. So, mm. uh, no, but I, I think um, we need to, we need a clean out. Mm -hmm. We need a clean out of people to make space for youngsters coming through or to, to see if they're good enough to come through and to attract one or two uh, good ones. I also think we've got a real problem in keeping some of our key players. I don't, I mean, my favourite at the moment is Garner. He dominates the game. Yeah. You know, is the Lee Carsley of, of football. You don't realise how good he is till he's gone. I think, I think what's been more interesting about him over the last few weeks in particular is he's added a new dimension to his game, hasn't he? Like, I think over the last few years, we've all known how well he can you know, disrupt other teams and break yeah. up play. But now we're seeing what he can do with the ball at his feet. You know, yeah. like we saw like his little piece of skill and a great through ball through to Calvert-Lewin in that Cardiff game. Some of his passing's been, he's uh, opened up defensively yeah. with his passing. His link-up play, yeah, link play in transition yeah. in the air. Uh, keep him? Yeah, I think we, we can keep him. I think what, what's really impressed me over the last few months as well is his attitudes. You know, oh, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. He, he made no secret that he was very disappointed yeah. not to get that move to Paris Saint-Germain in January, but he just went, OK, it's not happened. I'm just going to pull, suck it up and go out onto the pitch for Everton and give it me all. And, and he's, he's found, he has found that new dimension. So... It's going to be really interesting to see what happens to him in the summer because there's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be teams interested. We're already seeing. I, I, I think that I think there will be for for our stars, mm. you know, for the ones on loan who have not secured yet, mm. and maybe for you know for our uh, you know Brazilian, there may be inquiries coming in, um, and we have to rebuild again. I think we've got a good team together. Brazilian as in Richarlison or yeah. Bernard or, oh, or I like, both? I like, I like Bernard. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. going nowhere. Right. He's, okay. he's a fan's favourite, yeah. isn't he? He's, I think he's, all of them are fan favourites now. He's a tremendous, tremendous skill. Mm. Yeah. A tremendous skill. And he has a work rate that's tremendous, often overlooked. Yeah. Mm. You know, as what do you say, he puts a shift in. Oh, yeah. 
it, it really does, as does uh, as Ghana. I think we've got the nucleus of a great team. Mm-hmm. I have a very good team. Whether we can, where, how long it's going to take us before we can break into the top six, I don't know. And that goes back, Chris. We need yeah. to be winning things. We yeah. need to be this, you know, this uh, the League Cup. Yeah, that was. I think that was probably the, the one of the biggest disappointments for me was was the FA Cup. Um, the way it ended up opening up the tournament, anyway. But yeah, it, it's like we've been talking about. It's finished with a bit of a flourish now, and had a bit more consistency to sort of put the gloss on the season. But for a long time, it was very frustrating. Are they going to turn it round? Obviously, the football was a lot better, but was it that much better than um, last year? Given that the, the the quality of players he'd brought in and were they getting enough out of them? And for the way they went out of the FA Cup again, he took it totally seriously. He didn't rest players. He didn't rotate players like managers frustratingly can do. He put mm. his first eleven out there against the poor Championship side Millwall and got turned over. Yes, it was a bad decision which cost him, and he made a big mm. thing about that. But they, he shouldn't have got that. It was a silly free kick, and the way that the FA Cup opened up now, that could have easily have been yeah. Everton competing yeah. the final. What, what do you guys think about well, two things? One is the captain position. Mm. You know, how we can have some guy, young lad, who's captain one week and he's on the bench the next week, I don't know. You know, we need to have a captain, but most important, we need leadership. You know, that's where that, you know, I'm putting on my management consultant hat now. And everyone wants leadership until they get it and then they disagree with mm. it, the direction of leadership. But we need leaders. Mm. You know, we don't seem to have leaders on the pitch. Yeah. I don't know who we have in the dressing room. Uh, we need leaders out in the business world. Uh, we need we need you know a clear direction mm. and, and clear goals, not ten years time strategy. Clear goals. Where are we going to be two years from now, three years from now, and the likes? What my question is mm-hmm. is, what do you think about Michael Keane's performance in the last few months? Fantastic. And, and what do you think about his potential for being the club captain? <sighs> well, I, I I like his performances. I think he's been. Um, improving as the season's gone on and he looks like the England international that we thought we'd signed. As as far as captaincy material goes, I'm not so sure. I mean, when he signed for Everton, uh, I was told by a pal of mine who's a Burnley supporter and he said, yeah, yeah, he's great as long as he's got a dominant centre-half alongside him. And I felt that, you know, that was apparent at times, you know, so he appears to need if not that guidance, certainly that, you know, sort of character alongside him. And then, you know, he seems to have developed a bit more as the season's progressed and assumed that responsibility. But giving him a captain's armband, would that be more responsibility than he could handle or would it bring him out of himself? I suspect the former. I could be completely wrong, but I don't know. I just don't think he's quite right for it. I don't think we've got the character in the squad at the moment that can do that you know, job properly. Uh, Phil Jagielka is the captain, does the job great, but he doesn't play every week, you know, so, you know, he's a captain on the training ground, you know, so week in, week out, but that's not much good if he's not in the squad on match days. The one thing that Silva didn't really do, I know he brought Richarlison with him, is that most managers, like in business, most people in business, when they go to a different company, they bring their mates with them, Mm. they bring people with them who they trust. Yeah. And uh, and that's definitely in football. You bring your assistant, you bring your coach, yeah, you yeah. bring your goalkeeper, and you also bring your key player. Now he didn't do that, and therefore we don't have the person that gets yeah. that. We don't get this in unless we we draft in. Well, Duncan, Richard Charlison was Duncan his key player, but he's a youngster. But he's a youngster, and uh, you know I don't know how long we're going to keep him for. Right. Um, you know, in some ways, I think 
I hope we don't keep him that long because that means he, you know well, he's really going to yeah. excel. But I, I'm not sure we're going to be able to keep a 21 year old kid happy yeah. uh, without European football, mm. the best European football. I, I, I think Luca Dean has that. Uh, yeah. uh, he has the qualifications. He, he seems to be a very mm. uh, confident young man. Uh, very, very, very good footballer. I mean, maybe yeah. our best buy in a long time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, I don't know where is that, but we don't have that person. No. We certainly don't have a Kendall, a Harvey, and a Ball. No, um, you know who everyone looks to, and uh, you know, I mean, Alan Ball would drive you crazy, but you know, motivating people, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think I think going back to your point on Davis, it, like you, it is interesting that he can be, you know, captain one week and then not even in the squad the next. But I think it just shows how much faith that Marco Silva's got in him. Like he's obviously a clearly very very talented young footballer and you know Silva addressed this today like people forget that he's only 20 years old like he's been in the squad for so long now Mm -hmm. you know almost like two and a half years that he's been you know almost the first team regular in the squad you you just forget how young he is like he's he's not really meant to be a Premier League regular at this age Uh, and I think the amount of faith that Silva can show in him like he said he chose uh, Davis to be captain because of how long he's been at the club. He does he does understand Everton. He's been at Everton now from such a young age that I think he can grow to be Everton captain in the future. I, I think he'll certainly grow to be a first-team player. Mm. I think we forget that he's playing against and with some of the best in the world yeah. on, on a weekly basis, and it's a big jump up. I went to, the last time I was over a couple of years ago. I went to on a wet night in Southport. I went to see David Unsworth's team against. Portsmouth, yeah. it was, and I wanted to see Kenny, yeah, and uh, the, the the young centre half who went to China, Tyus Brown, Browning, Browning. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he had an excellent game, but Tom Davis just stood out, you know, head and shoulders mm. above anybody, you know, in that league, mm. absolutely outstanding, wanting the ball all the while, dominated, dominating the game. Uh, yeah, I think given time, you know, we, I used to always say about Evertonians, we like to eat our own, don't we? Hmm. We know we, we do, you know, beat Tony Hibbert or yeah. uh, Osman and, and the likes. We can be very demanding of them, mm. which is very, un- which I think is very unfair. Mm. I think Tom needs uh, a little bit, mm. a little bit of support from people. I think you see it, you see it when he goes like for England's duty, you know, with the under 21s and you see him play. Whenever I see him play for the under twenty ones, he just he just stands out. He's a class yeah. above, and that's now him playing against other players of his age group. And you can see he's just miles ahead of so the, so many of them. Do you think the stars of the under twenty three team are going to make it though? Do you think they're good enough to step up? This under twenty three team's really interesting because for me it's very different than the under twenty three team the last time they won the league because. You had players there like Kenny, Dowell, Davis, Calvert-Lewin. You know, they'd all made their first steps into the first team already at that point. There's not really many in this current under-23s team who've that's, made that jump that's yet. That's where the Europa Cup comes in handy, though, isn't it? You know, Exactly, you, yeah. You can give them, like, I think when we, we've yeah. played some, what do they call them, dead lovers? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what that means. Krasnodars. We, we, yeah. we, 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 we play some, and we can throw yeah. some people yeah. in, can't we? Just to yeah. give them the, the experience of, of that. Mm. Uh, so think, it does, you know, there is a benefit from it in yeah. that way. I don't know if they're good enough for these lads to I stand up. We've, we've got certainly this, got some exciting young players. Well, we've got this this kid every week. He's like Dixie, the Sims guy. Oh, Ellis Sims. I've never seen him play, but I imagine is, is a big brute, much bigger than the kids he's well, playing. You know, it, it, essentially, the the under 18s is very different, and I think, like, not to 
not to belittle him in any way, but I think he needs to make the step up to the under-23s first before we're talking about him, you know, possibly getting into the first team. I think in the under-23s, how Virginia is a really exciting yeah. goalkeeper. Uh, I'd like to see him involved a bit more around the first team, possibly next season, mm-hmm. like depending on the future of Stecklenberg, of course. And then... Uh, Josh Bowler has been playing very well over the last few weeks. Uh, Anthony Gordon's made the step up from the 18s to the 23s, who I think... The young centre-half we bought from Newcastle. Oh, Lewis Gibson. He's a fantastic... Well, Gibson Gibson and Feeney are two two dominating centre-halves, really, for the under-23s. And, you know, Feeney has made that step. I think he's played in the Europa League for us. Did he play in that game against Leon? Apple on Limassol, was he? Yeah. Yeah. So we, he's already made that step up, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, see, involved in more from next the season. Of pessimism now, <laughs> uh, and, we, and we've, this is a typical of being Everton. Is you get four Evertonians together, and within an hour we're optimistic. We're going to conquer Europe, aren't we? There's no, there's no stopping. There's now, and not mm. only that, we've got all these youngsters coming exactly. on. Exactly, I think we're going to win the league every year for the next ten years. Right. Well, while we're on this, <laughs> while, we're on, while we're on this upbeat, you know, sort of curve, we, we always bring these discussions uh, to a close by predicting the results. And I think we've gone through an entire season so far, and never got one right, have we? So, you know, this is this is where we're going to break the mold. Somebody here is going to get the correct score. I mean, sometimes we get the fact that Everton win, Everton draw. You know, we never ever predict a defeat, uh, but you know, we sometimes get it right. No one saw Man United four 0 coming. I think. Adam normally goes for the optimistic shot. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> even you went that optimistic. I predicted four 0 against someone. Arsenal was it? Yeah, it was unexpected. someone mad. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Chris, yeah. you, you kick us off. How, how are we going to fare tomorrow I'm night against Burnley? Very specific, and I'm going to be optimistic as well. I think that um, another clean sheet for Everton's improving defence, and yeah. it's going to be two 0 Everton. They'll, they'll go one ahead, and then. Burnley will have a bit of a go second half and I think Everton catch one a break 2-0 very specific well Adam are you going to be as optimistic as that or are you going to uh, going to be more optimistic go on <laughs> let's like I, I've praised Burnley now so I'll I'll also say we beat them 5-1 <laughs> on Boxing Day Fair at their place yeah. so Silva obviously knows how to play against this kind, kind of team <laughs> uh, they're obviously in a bit better form now but I think if, they get an, if Everton get an early goal then it'll be a lot more comfortable than I'm predicting 3-0 I'm happy to hear that. I'm going to go with uh, Chris's shout. I just think a clean sheet again, defending very, very well at the moment. Um, depends on what he does with the team selection. I think he will go strong. I think we'll probably see Schneidlin and Gay in the middle again. Uh, I don't think we'll see any changes at the back uh, or up front, to be to be honest. 2-0. And I'd like to see Dominic Calvert-Lewin get a goal. Um, mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's been missing from his game in recent weeks. Um, I think it'd just be such a boost for him, you know, so going into the summer and, you know, for the a reward for the efforts he's put in recently. So I'm going to go for a 2-0 home win with Calvert-Lewin getting one of the goals. So, Dr. France, uh, give us a nice but optimistic... I will give you a prediction that you've never had before. Huh? Not that I've listened to all of these podcasts, <laughs> but I think we'll, it'll be a good game. The lads will show up. No flip-flops. Burnley will show up. Yeah. We'll win 2 0 but on the 80th minute, the floodlights will fail. <laughs> <laughs> so in the 75th minute, when we can't find David, he'll yeah, really be around messing with the fuse box. <laughs> right, well, thanks everybody for joining in today. We're, uh, like I say, a very, very surprised uh, guest in Dr. Francis. It's been a pleasure to have him here. Uh, we'll be back next week where we'll look back on the other Burnley game and maybe look a little bit further forward to, uh, to Tottenham. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.